Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Are you like me and thought one day, I want to start a podcast? Well, it's easy. All you do is go to Anchor FM and sign up for free. Then all you do is you can record from your computer or your phone. And next thing you know, all you do is upload your episode. And then like magic, Anchor just goes and releases it everywhere to Apple, to Spotify. You name it, it releases it there. It's easy, it's simple, it's fun to use, and like me, I'm not very technical-oriented. Again, easy. Not like the rapper, but it's easy, if you get what I mean. So again, go to Anchor FM, sign up, and uh, start being a content or podcast creator today. such thing as death. Life is only a dream, and we are the imagination of ourselves. Welcome to My Third Eye, prying open your thought, truth, and reality, questioning everything and anything from conspiracies, cryptic, spiritual, natural healing, and everything else there is to encounter. Everything we think is not real, just might be real. Welcome to My Third Eye. I think that a lot of people look at it as like um, people trying to be better or, or, or worse than one another. Like, well, I'm RH negative and you're not, or I, I, you're RH negative and I'm blah, 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 blah. And like, which is how the whole like, oh, well, don't trust these people because they're serpents or reptiles or Nephilim. And I think a lot of that is just to keep us from being able to embrace the differences that we have.
All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of My Third Eye. I got some big announcements to uh, to make, uh, big to me anyway, uh, but we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. This episode is uh, a nice chat with Mad Hatter. Uh, if you haven't heard of him or, or heard him on other podcasts or, or seen him on um, social media, go, go, go follow The Hatter Will Happen on Instagram. Um, the dude is so easy and so fun to talk to. He's like a walking little wealth of knowledge on anything. I mean, the guy does his research. I mean, he, he goes head over heels into every topic that, that, that he wants to, to, to cover. And he did that to better himself. And I applaud the man for his sobriety and making a better person of himself through his, his, you know, life's traumas, uh, you know, growing up. Not everybody grew up great. I didn't. And uh, I hope you enjoy this episode. Um, now moving on to, uh, some, some housekeeping, go over to, uh, you know, Kelly Fitzshizzle, get yourself some curcumin. I gotta admit guys, I took about a week and a half off just to see if I could see a difference. Well, I did. Uh, my tennis elbow, my, my, my hands started falling asleep. Uh, when I'd lay on one side or the other, my arms would start falling asleep again. My vision was starting to get a little blurry. Uh, again, uh, I vape, and how I noticed this is looking down to see how much battery power I had left in in my my douche flute. I I couldn't really read the the numbers, and when I was on the curcumin, I noticed that I I could start to read them, and I can't I can't express how much I love this product and even my wife she goes yeah some of my symptoms were coming back because I kind of let the the uh, ordering it relapse I guess or, or or just didn't you know re-up in, in, in time so and she wasn't t- she never ran out but she wasn't taking her full full 10 drop she was trying to make it last she could start seeing you know a, a little bit start to come back you know not as much as i did so you know go go check her out everything's in my link tree um i do have some exciting news uh with joining and being invited into open minds media uh right now you can find them on discord uh if you're thinking about starting up a podcast feel free to join open minds media uh check out all the other podcasters that are in there and without talking too much trash about things this is i think a good thing for other podcasters in this community to get together and really come together as a team to build up and and have a good connection help other young inspiring podcasters come to be and you know get get different content out there and also help other other you know fellow podcasters maybe get some guests that they didn't know that they wanted on their podcast um also uh i have a sneaky feeling there's going to be a new affiliate coming to my podcast and yes you heard that i'm I guess you could call it a sponsor, an affiliate. Uh, I'm not really making money, but I, I think there's 
maybe room to grow there. You know what I mean? So I can't wait. I hope I hope everything in the details falls falls in place. Also, I have a really really big announcement. I and Shane Jones from Inquiries of Our Reality. If you have never heard of him, go over and and listen to uh, listen to his podcast. He he gets some really great guests on there, and he, you know the guy can go deep. Uh, hooked up with him, um, he is actually the creator and owner of Open Minds Media. I guess you could say an owner, but he he created it and created the uh, you know the the whole thought behind that. So him and I are going to be teaming up coming out in September okay guys September so it's about a month out but we are gonna launch on its own private RSS feed bizarre encounters if you've ever had any type of bizarre encounter whether it's with Bigfoot a rape a ghost or just something out of the fucking ordinary that you can't explain let us know you can find Shane over at inquiries, inquiries of our reality at outlook.com. Email him. If you don't want to be on the show, just type out your story and we can read it. If you don't want to email him, you know how to email me. That's my third iPod at gmail.com. So get these emails coming in, you know, to me at my third iPod.com or inquiries of our reality at outlook.com. Again, a new podcast coming out uh not to to be confused with some of the others out there but him and i were talking and i you know cryptid it doesn't fucking matter if you think you saw a demon child walking around your property and looked over at you and you felt like it wanted to suck your soul out let's talk about it you know again a new podcast we are going to launch this in september and it's called Bizarre Encounters with Ghost and Shane. Now, having said all that, I'm going to shut my trap. This is a longer intro than I normally do. However, patreon.com forward slash my third eye podcast. Go show me some love on the Patreon over there. Uh, it, 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 it's going good. I love the support. And um, let me see. What else can I plug? Oh, well, I'm going to just plug my good friend, DangerousWorldStore.com. So go over and uh, hit up Ryan Dean for some really cool and funky t-shirts. And, uh, you know, sometimes they, they trigger those people out there that just don't have the right sense of mentality. Now, I am finally going to shut up and enjoy this episode. And welcome back to another episode, ladies and gentlemen. I have the uh, the honor and privilege to sit down with the Mad Hatter today, and uh, I will turn the mic over to you, my friend, and you can let people know where they can find you if you want to be found, and uh, we'll, we'll start our discussion. Yeah, man, I didn't know that that thing never went up, so this is kind of like uh, my first time on your... Yeah. On your little... On your, on your platform, so it's an honor to be here. I appreciate the invitation. Um... I had a lot of fun on that round table, which sometimes I have kind of a hard time because it just goes in so many different directions mm. um, and it's hard for me to kind of hone in on, on something, but I, I really enjoyed that um, okay. and I, I actually look forward to hearing that when it comes out. 
um, as far as me and who I am, I am, I mean, I, I, if you're looking for me, I'm, I basically live on Instagram right now. Um, I've got a podcast in the works that uh, I've been saying is going to drop for several months. And I am getting a firsthand look at some of the behind the scenes stuff that goes into having a podcast. Uh, I pretty good at the talking portion of it. Uh, but outside of that, it's uh, totally foreign to me. So learning, I mean, simple things, things that sound simple, like putting together an intro or doing the editing. Um networking it's all it's all new to me so this is a learning process and it's something for me that um it's supposed to be fun you know i i was i was doing four or five pod maybe not four or five three or four podcasts a week for several months and it kind of started to feel like work so i pulled back from it and i mean the same thing kind of started happening with my podcast i got really stressed about getting an intro put together and getting an episode dropped um i've already got some recorded it's just it's it's just getting them out there and as soon as it started to get stressful, it was like, okay, I'm going to withdraw from this a little bit. I'm going to take a break and I'll come back to it when it feels, when it feels good again. This is something that, like I said, I do because I enjoy it. And I think that us talking, especially talking to people that we don't necessarily agree with mm -hmm. is what is going to create growth in our community. I think it's really easy to get stuck in an echo chamber and only talk to people that have the same opinion as you. Um, and there's no growth in that. Um, and it, it leads to all this infighting and everything else where if people were able to just, you know, have the hard conversations and hash it out, then, um, I think that we could, we could move forward a lot more efficiently. So that's something that I'm really going to try to display on my channel. Um, what, what platform are you, uh, are you using to do your podcast? Like to, are you using anchor or use an anchor? Okay. Yeah. For well, now, I, I will tell you, um, there's people like me, uh, Ryan, Nico, uh, all of us just reach out. If you have questions, ask it, it, you know what I mean? I use audacity when, 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 it, when I first started it, it was foreign to me because I was an old school, you know, DJ from back in the nineties where you had the mixer in front of you and now everything's <laughs> on, on a digital screen. So, you know, you had to get kind of used to it. And then, then you learn tricks on, you know, what editing steps you take and, you know, picking a, a song or, you know, pulling something off youtube that's not copywritten and then eventually like like my intro uh i was fortunate enough new york patriot i i kind of told him kind of what i wanted and he told me to read something i read you know basically what it says in the description for my podcast and he threw something together and you know and then you know you just kind of network back and forth you know you'll have a guest on that might might lead you to this and and, and help you out and don't ever be right. afraid afraid to ask you know i i asked ryan dean so many questions and you know there's still times you know i'll reach out to you know even like joe from legit bat and be like hey dude i what about this you know you know is this doing all right you know and he's like oh yeah dude you know you know you're fine so for sure man that's that's one of my favorite things about this community is like it, it could be viewed almost from one perspective as competition right mm -hmm. like uh, but that's that's not how it feels. Everybody's been super uh, helpful and and willing to try to get my thing going. And it feels like um, a lot of it's coming from a place of like people just want to get the information out there. And mm -hmm. it, it's less about, you know, stealing followers or listeners and stuff like that. And it's more just about creating this this space and this community um, where people can say the shit they want to say. 
And that's something really special to me. And it's, I, I definitely appreciate everybody who's had me on so far and everybody who's, who's offered to help. And, uh, it, again, it just, every once in a while, it starts to feel like work and I'm just not about doing stuff that I don't want to do anymore. I mean, I know that sounds really childish to say, but like, it's, you know, maybe it's the shaman in me. It's like, it, it starts to feel obligatory and I just kind of withdraw my energy from it until I get pulled back there. And, mm-hmm. you know, the same kind of thing happens with Instagram. Sometimes I'll spend quite a bit of time on there and sometimes I won't post anything, even post anything on my story for a couple of weeks. You know, it's just, it kind of, I'm very careful about where I put my energy and my intention. I think that those are forms of currency that people, um, don't really realize our, our currency. We're taught that, that it's all about money, right? Which, or, or, or federal reserve banknotes, which in actuality are just a gift card for somebody else's energy, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and we get all caught up in things like gold and stuff. And when, when, when you're buying gold, you're not buying, I think we've talked about this before. We're not buying the gold. We're buying the dude with the pitchfork and the wheelbarrow who goes up there and mines it and then brings it back to town and distributes it. When you buy that gold and then you sell that gold at a profit, they're not, they're essentially paying you for your energy at that point, you know? Um, And, but we don't view our attention. It's not called paying attention for no reason or our intention or our energy or our time is a very valuable currency, even though um, I, I believe that it's a false construct. It's still something that we have to uh, kind of utilize on this plane um, and be mindful of. And so I just try to be very careful about where I send that stuff. And if something doesn't feel right and natural and kind of fit into that flow state that I have going on right now, then I'm, I'm just not going to give it my energy, um, which sometimes is very conducive to getting a lot done. And sometimes it's, <laughs> it's not. Um, but I've learned to kind of just observe objectively a big principle in, uh, hermeticism or alchemy is to just be indifferent, right. And observe from a place of indifference. The only constant on this plane besides hopefully yourself, uh, is change, right? Mm -hmm. Things are never going to stop changing and we can allow all of those small changes to affect us and affect our energy and affect our vibration, or we can, uh, choose to, you know, find this state of indifference and just allow these things to be and focus more on the things that we can control, right? And and put our energy into those things, um, which is really easy to say and a little harder in practice, but it's something I really try to try to walk. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of people get stuck on because you hear, you see it so often. And I used to be kind of part of that too, to an extent, is people are so afraid of change that Right. You know, they're so set in their ways that they see, they see change and it scares them. You know what I mean? And it might scare them to the point where they see something in themselves that they're not yet willing to want to admit that, you know, they need to change or, you know, do something better in their daily life to avoid the stresses or confrontations that are just draining them to a point where they're in a state of depression all the time or anger. You know what I mean? Right. It's and they're reacting, you know, as opposed to embracing and um, adapting. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think a lot of it comes from a place of ego. Um, Like we were taught to believe that, you know, we're we're perfect and our way is is the right way. And anything outside of that is foreign and anything foreign or anything we don't understand is is inherently bad. Mm-hmm. Um, my grandma, for example, the, the washing machine quit, uh, 
year before last. And <clears throat> I got a great deal on a, a set that brand new in the box, uh, digital display, you know, touchscreen and got the set for like 850 bucks. I mean, just to kill it, got it for less than I could have got one of them right. by itself, you know, and she was pissed because she, it was a, a front loader. The dryer was a front loader instead of a top loader. And her thing is like, or the, the washing machine, excuse me, was a front loader instead of a top loader. And she's like, just lost it. And I'm sitting here like watching her melt down, trying to figure out what's going on. She's like, well, I guess I'll just change my whole life then. You know, I'll just change because I got to put the clothes into the front now. And, you know, she tries it and she's like, man, I love it. I, I absolutely love this. And it's like, well, you were crying yesterday. Right. You know, and you're going to have to change your whole life over which direction the clothes came into the washing machine from. And now you say it's the best washing machine you've ever had. And so it's like little things like that or my kid crying because he doesn't like the farmer's market. And then I finally talk him into getting out of the car and he has the time of his life. You know, mm -hmm. it's like we do that as adults. Anytime we don't understand something, anytime something's foreign to us or different or outside of the construct that we were raised in, we just reject it automatically. Um, and I think that we, we really sell ourselves short in that light and just being able to, again, just observe from a place of indifference and allow these things to change and kind of try to adapt and, and modify the way that we fit into the, the construct of these things is how we stay happy, man. If you're going to let all this exterior stuff affect you and, and, and your vibration, it's just going to snowball, man. Absolutely. And and it's first, just not worth it. You see it on a daily basis at at work. I mean, the first reaction at it, any and not just work. I mean, drive 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 to the grocery store. The first reaction that anybody ever has is the easiest reaction is anger. You know what I mean? Right. If it, it, it's the easiest energy to to pull out, it's the positive energy that is so hard to to work on and be like, okay, I recognize this person's angry and then they may not be at me, but they're just taking it out on everybody to know, to either raise your vibration, to keep that negative energy away. Or some people such as myself, I carry black tourmaline and uh, black shungite crystals with me and it, it helps, you know what I mean? And, you know, I'm an empath and pick up on energy very, very easy. And since carrying these and being, you know, kind of guided into getting them you know I, I didn't really know much about crystals before that and i'm still learning and you know we talked a little bit before we started recording you know there are people in in this industry that uh you know think it's poo poo you know it, it, they think it's it's hippy dippy it, it's it's kind of on the satanist kind of you know agenda of of taking people away from christ consciousness or or buddha's you know islam or whatever your your faith is and I, I, I kind of disagree because in, in certain aspects, some of these same people will be like, you know, uh, you have to get these Faraday clothing and well, what's in there is silver. Well, silver is a mineral. Silver is a, you know, a, a metal and it's no different than a, a crystal or a rock that is being organically, I don't know if you want to call it grown, but, you know, made in the earth than a crystal. And, you know, but, you know, it, it's and it and it's fine line because you, you don't want to, you know, some of these people can be your friends and, and you can disagree and agree to, to extents. But it's like, you know, it, it's not just take the time to look into it a little bit. You know what I mean? Because I I was the same way. I hell, I thought tarot cards were of the devil up until right. a, a while ago, you know, and that I got a deck. I haven't really played much with it. But, you know, when it 
when it calls to me and I feel ready that I will, you know what I mean? But well, that's the way to approach it. You don't, you don't force things like that, but you also can't reject them before you give them a chance. You know, there are certain things that I won't mess with. Like I, you, you couldn't pay me to touch a Ouija board. No. Um, but as far as things like crystals and tarot and other forms of divination and stuff, like all of that was put into this uh, satanic Satanism box. I was raised a very dogmatic Christian and um, anything outside of this little box that I was given to exist inside was evil. You know, and a reference I like to use is like Bobby Boucher's, Boucher's mom in yeah. The Waterboy, you know, yep. everything outside of this little box was the devil. And um if if you and you also brought up these people that 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 see it as dark and talk about this Christ consciousness, but if you really dig into that in itself, um, and and you you look at the etymology of that and where these words originated, Christ consciousness, for example, uh, the, the the word Christ has a direct correlation to the word Christos, which mm-hmm. was a Greek word for crystal, which was the ice of the gods, and so one could make the argument that to be Christ-like or the Christ consciousness is the same as being crystalline, right? Mm-hmm. Or living in your crystalline body, which is essentially operating in a vibration of unconditional love. And um, there's all this stuff that's been demonized. You know, I was taught that witches are evil, right? And uh, after waking up over the last few years, I'm, I'm really good friends with several people that identify as witches. And there's a lot of people that kind of just think it's cute, Um and and identify as that because it's fun and they enjoy the aesthetic and that's that's not what i'm talking about but most of the most of the real witches that i know just want to heal themselves and heal other people and heal the planet you know and mm-hmm. we we're taught that there are these these evil beings and you one of the things that just kind of baffles me about history is like well the witches were bad so we so we burned them you know and it's like wait so the, the witches were the bad guy well well yeah and and so so you burned them in front of the whole town right but but the witches are the bad guys you know and it's like well how do you know they were a witch well somebody tells us well how do you know if they were right well after we light them on fire if they die then they weren't a witch and it's like okay fire they're gonna die well right so it's (laughs) like out of all these people that we burned i'm pretty sure that all of them died Right. Which means we killed zero witches, according to that logic. You know, so it was just all these random people that were accused of of things. And um, it doesn't matter to me whether it's here's how I look at magic. Right. Or or mystical practice or crystals or tarot or or what is looked at as witchcraft or even uh, forms of Satanism, because when it, when it boils down to it, most people who identify as a Satanist are, are, are Saturn worshipers, mm-hmm. right? It's not, there's a very small percentage of people that are like actively working this, this deity called the, the devil, right? Which, right. and the, this Christian devil that we're all taught to fear doesn't really exist outside of Christianity or Abrahamic religion, mm-hmm. right? So it's silly to assume that these people are going to worship something from your your system of beliefs when they operate outside of that system of beliefs. You know, they're not going to honor a deity that only exists in this one field of thought, you know? Right. Um, in fact, a lot of Satanists that I've met just like to piss people off, man. And they know that it's funny when the way that people react when they say that they, they, do, they do the things that they do. Um, but whether... It doesn't matter what what approach you're taking to, you know, kind of this occult or esoteric world. It's all about intention, right? I kind of see it magic 
or esoteric practice like a gun, right? Mm -hmm. Or like, uh, and we could use a pencil as an example, right? A pencil, if I write, I love you on a piece of paper and hand it to you, then this pencil is a beautiful tool. It's a mess. It's, it's, It's a tool of love, right? I'm using this pencil to spread love. Now, if I take that same pencil and I turn it around and I bury it in somebody's neck, it's not so beautiful anymore. But is it the pencil that is good or bad? Or is it the person wielding the pencil that's good or bad? You know, it's, it's all intention based. And so, um, most of the people that I give my time to, or my attention, operate in one way or another in areas that I was taught to fear and resist and, uh, and blaspheme and, and all these things. And I, I really walked around in fear of like being smited or struck by a lightning bolt or something. If I explored these things, you know, and finally stepping outside of that box and finding crystals, which led me to understand energy and frequency and vibration and understanding that my vibration, uh, would be reciprocated by the universe and change the way that I, this, this experience interacted with me, you know, and, and learning alchemy and, and, and shadow work and learning how to kind of transmute some of these, these things that I was taught were negative and learning about perspective and, and, and the subjectivity of truth, um, is really what changed my experience. And it's kind of snowballed. And after the intro with crystals or whatever, it it was like, well, I want to see what else is out here that I thought was bad, you know? And as soon as I started approaching things from this place of objectivity, you know, um, from a, from, from neutral ground and saying, okay, I'm going to take this in and I'm going to listen to my gut and I'm going to listen to my third eye and I'm going to see what it feels like, you know, and if this feels good, then I'll keep it. And if it doesn't, then I won't. And this thing has kind of snowballed into this, uh, magical practice. Um, if, if I had to identify as something, as far as my practice, I would say that, uh, chaos magic is kind of where I live in that, um, I will study everything and then take the portions that feel good to me and utilize those in a practice that is what, what works for me. Right. And I don't really concern myself with what people in, in these different camps think, whether it's ceremonial magic or ritual magic or Thelema, or, or there's, there's all these different schools that think their way is the best. Mm -hmm. Um, so I just study everything I can find and do what feels right to me, you know, but I don't see anything wrong with someone we have movies like Harry Potter and stuff where there's, where there's lightning bolts shooting out of the end of magic wands. And we think that's what magic is. But uh, Crowley said that magic was basically uh, creating change in conformity with will. Right. Um, And so when you look at it in that light, anyone who is using their energy and their attention and their intention to create change in conformity with their will while being in alignment with their highest good or the highest good or, or, or positivity to begin with. If someone has a good intention walking into something, I don't care what or how they practice. Right. Because to me, it's that that's where it all lies is the intention and you trying to learn how to manipulate and understand and direct energy to be able to create positive change in your experience or in the experience around you. Um, I mean, if, what are we here for? If not that, you know, well, you, you'd mentioned, uh, you brought up like witchcraft and, and what have you, and we went down this path. And I'm going to take it back to, to the Roman Catholic and the Roman Empire and uh, what they set out to do. And uh, the biggest, uh, I don't know, I guess, story that most people can, can understand and maybe relate to is St. Patrick. And he went to the, uh, the 
British Isles and Ireland and what have you and ridded the the entire you know island of snakes. Well, come to find out, there was never any snakes there, and the snakes were the pagans and the druids. And if you look at what that religion set out to do, and you look at modern day witches, like you said, um, just wanting to heal heal themselves and, and do good for for people that they care about. That's what the pagans and druids were doing. And right. they, they weren't meaning no harm to anybody, but you, the Roman Catholics and, you know, came in and they, they, they very brutally forced everybody over to their religion or you died. And you, the, then they went up to, you know, the Scandinavian countries and did the same thing with uh, the, the heathens up there and then burnt their biggest sacred tree and, you know, build it, uh, one of their temples or whatever on that site. And that's what initially made the, the, the pagans get pissed off and then want to fight. And everybody right. thinks that they were such a brutal, you know, fight first. Oh, we're going to go raid. No, that's, that's Hollywood's version. And, right. and, and everything gets polluted and diluted. And like you said, you know, Harry Potter shooting lightning out of a, you know, a willow stick or whatever, you know, that, that's not really magic. You know what I mean? It, it's cool for, for TV and, and movies and what have you, and a good stimulation for, for your imagination, I guess. But, you know, people need to, like you said, look into everything and pull out what feels good. You know what I mean? I, I don't agree with Crowley hardly on anything, but you right. know, when, when you said, you know, th- with your intentions, okay, that an intention could be good or bad. And unfortunately I think Crowley used his intentions mainly for bad. You know what I mean? He, he wasn't notably a, a, a great guy. And, but if you set out and use your intentions as good, that makes you at the end of the day, if you want to call yourself a witch, you're the white witch. You're, you're, you're Gandalf the great, you know what I mean? Right. You're, you're, you're the white wizard and you know what I mean? And that's what people need to strive for more in their life is being positive and being the good. You know, it's, it's easy to be the negative and it, we just said it not that long negativity is all around us that's the easy part you know exactly exactly and as far as crowley goes um and this is not me defending him by any means because i don't think it's my job to uh defend or condemn somebody who's been gone for a long time um i think there's information valuable information in some of his work um but also are you familiar with the term like playing the heel yes um I think that was a big part of this persona that Crowley had was he really fed off of these people thinking that he was just this terrible person. And I think he did terrible things, but there were times where like, for example, he would say things like he killed 99 children today. Mm -hmm. Right. And he would write that into his work. And what he meant by that was that he had masturbated and shot his, his quote unquote children onto the floor and they had died. You know, you Mm -hmm. see what I'm saying? And so he had this way of trying to really, he was the great beast and he wanted to be the great beast. He wanted these people to fear him. Then he wanted, you know, he, he that was kind of this, this character that he played and, and embraced. And I mean, he did a lot of really bad stuff. Again, I'm not defending him in any way. Um, but I think that people are really quick to th- kind of throw the baby out with the bathwater as far as anything with Crowley's name on it. Uh, they don't want anything to do with it. And um I think that there is valuable information in everything. And I'm also glad that you brought up the, uh, you know, the kind of the Roman Catholic hostile takeover of, of uh, all systems of belief, basically, because whether it's 
Christianity or Catholicism or Judaism or Islam, these are all Abrahamic religions, which uh, essentially are just creative forms of, of sun worship and uh, with and and they're all rooted in paganism, right? It was just it, the Old Testament, for example, uh, takes place in Egypt, right? Mm -hmm. And they they change the timeline a little bit. But if you adjust the timeline just a little bit, you realize that all these pharaohs and all these kings line up. And it's, I mean, is it what are the chances that these pharaohs and kings had this the same name, wives, the, their wives had the same names, and their children had the same names, and their dynasties did the same things, you know? But they, and so really this is just rebranded Egyptian history. Right. And, um, you had the pater, excuse me, matriarchal society that worshiped the old gods that were, uh, you know, the pagans or what, what we consider paganism. Right. And they lived in upper Egypt and it gets confusing because you had upper Egypt which is actually below lower Egypt on the map. It was on a hill. And so it was like an elevation thing. Right? right. And so you had this matriarchal worship of the old gods in upper Egypt. And then you had the uh, patriarchal worship of the, the quote unquote, one true God in lower Egypt. And you had this dude, Moses, who was at the forefront of this new religion under the one true God. And this was going to mean that men were in charge. And this was going to mean now you're going to pay the church and the church gets to decide what you do and where you go. And so, and, and like you said, anybody that didn't want to adopt this just got murdered. Right. Mm -hmm. So even people that didn't really practice would say, okay, yeah, I'll be a Christian because they didn't want to end up dead. Right. Um, and when you look at the headdresses that the pharaohs wore, there, there, there were two. Well, really, there were three separate ones. You had a, a white headdress that I believe I get confused between which one was which. But I think the white headdress was lower Egypt and the red headdress was upper Egypt. And then both of them together signified a unified Egypt, which didn't happen very often. Mm -hmm. um, and so this was basically the Old Testament was like Moses's hostile takeover of upper Egypt to get everybody behind this, this one true God thing. And when you try to have that conversation with somebody or when they say, you know, like oh, the, the Bible says this, or the Bible says that, and uh, this is not me talking bad on anybody who believes is, is a Christian. I think Christians are great people. I think most of them mean really well. Um, but this Bible started out very different than what it is now. And it's not just translations. It's there were several meetings where several books were taken away um, and things were changed. And then you have the, the creation of the white Jesus to try to facilitate uh, this one true God thing. And when in reality, <clears throat> all of this is just solar worship. And that notion started with uh, a man named Akhenaten in, mm -hmm. in Egypt. And so traditionally Egypt worshiped the, the old gods, right? You had a, a, an array of gods. And then you had this dude, Akhenaten, who was the father of King Tutankhamun or King Tut. Mm -hmm. Okay. And he was murdered because the first thing he did as Pharaoh was move the capital from Cairo and build this city in the middle of nowhere. And he was talking all this mess about this one true God. And he realized that, that the sun, right. Was, it was what grew our crops and it was what gave us vitamin D. And it, so it healed us. And it was what enabled 
uh, all these things to happen. And he, he, they, there was a lot of writing from Akhenaten about how it created the cycle for women's monthly cycles, right? Which we're taught is more related to the moon, but he, he really believed that this was, uh, sun worship and all of the plagues that had happened in history he thought were due to either solar flares or lack thereof and so this this idea of of solar worship is essentially as old as time um and we don't like to in in abrahamic religions admit that that's what it is even though when you really look into it like the the word sun and the, you know, the son of God are phonetically the same mm -hmm. and maybe the O is switched for a U and stuff, but it ties very closely into Greek mythology and how Kronos uh, was cast out by Zeus. And then, and, and, and Zeus was now the, the primordial uh, deity. And it, when you, it's also not coincidence that there were hundreds of religions that predate Christianity where their deity was born on the same day, died on the same day, was dead for three days, risen for three days. And now we're just talking the solstice, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so it's just, people are really quick to defend something and try to perpetuate something that a lot of them don't fully understand. And I kind of see that as like, people that have the news as their main source of information, right? Well, it's like, well, I saw it on CNN. And so this is the truth. And since I saw it on CNN and this feels like truth to me, like you need to believe this too, or else there's something wrong with you. Right. right. Um, and so again, we just lock ourselves in these boxes and, and fight over things that we don't fully understand. And if people would just take some time to go out and research um, what these things are and try to find out how they themselves fit into these systems. I think that things would, would change drastically. Um, and that's kind of a big part of my intention as far as what this is, is kind of shedding some light on alternate history, um, on comparative religion, on kind of demystifying some of these things that we've talked about as far as crystals and tarot, divin divination and alchemy. And so, I mean, I think everybody should be practicing alchemy. And in one degree or another, everyone is practicing alchemy, just mm -hmm. like everyone is practicing magic, whether they know it or not. You know, well, even when Christians pray, they're, they're casting a spell. Right. Well, that's it. And it's like your affirmations in the mirror, right, is magic. Your vision board is magic. You, you uh, stating your intention daily. These are all forms of, of magic. Mm -hmm. um, and what it boils down to, it doesn't matter which system of belief that you subscribe to, all of it started with Hermeticism, which started with Hermes Trismegistus, which was Thoth the Atlantean and Egypt. And this dude that showed up and taught these people spirituality and taught them math and taught them to build things, you know, and it was, but back then it was about a personal relationship with the divine or with source or with the creator or whatever it was. And that was lost through this Abrahamic dogma um, and it became less about that and more about worshiping the church or the pastor that was there at the church. And then the pastor would have a relationship with the divine, right? But you didn't get that one-on-one -on -one connection. And there's a verse in the Bible, it's escaping me where it's found, but uh, where I think it's Jesus says that that you can worship from your closet, like your, your, your closet is church. You don't have to go to some house that some man made in God's name to be able to talk to God. And that's something that really speaks to me because... Um, you know, I, th I think that divinity is in all of us, right? Which is another thing that's really bad to say in, in Abrahamic religion is like, no, there's only one God, you know, and, but it's like, 
Buddhist ideology says that we're all gods and we're here wearing these these vessels to grow and adapt and and develop perspective. And that's something that really speaks to me. And I think that um, once you can kind of embrace that divinity that we carry around and your abilities and your um, your position here as a co-creator, you can really start to transmute and, and create a more favorable experience for yourself because when you you're in this vibration of well i'm just stuck here and i'm along for the ride and everything is outside of my control you're just going to be a victim for your whole life you know and one thing that hermeticism teaches that you're either master of your experience or you're a victim of somebody else's experience Mm -hmm. and so taking accountability and taking control and then and then creating a more favorable reality is something that we can all benefit from which is why it's demonized you know yeah and I just saw it wasn't long before uh, we hopped on to do this interview that apparently at the Vatican, they just erected a statue of Moloch. <laughs> which I'm doesn't shock surprised. me. Right. But I mean, and, and I feel bad for for the your basic Catholic that just goes to mass every Sunday or Wednesday or wh- whatever totally. it is that have no clue what, what's really going on w- with the Vatican and all the symbolism that is there and it, it, if you really dive down into it it it, it is satan worship worship <laughs> of their 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 version of satan and right. and, and you try to tell people and whoa no it, i mean that that <laughs> that's taboo you know what i mean yeah. and, but it when i saw that i was just like wow shocker next next they're going to erect a a, a the goddess Shiva, you know, just like they have at CERN, you know what I mean? It, nothing at this point would shock. Well, and when you see the that the auditorium is a big snake's head, you know, mm-hmm. and that you've got where right o- over where the Pope sits when he speaks is this sculpture of a man like ascending into reptilian hood or, or yeah. however you want to describe that thing. Um, and it's like I've heard stories of in the in the Pope's chambers that there's not pictures of this this deity that we're told to worship, you know, that there's this totally separate form of worship that takes place on a, on a papal level. And, um, you know, these people believe that that man is God embodied mm-hmm. in human form, right, which is the same thing that the Egyptians believed about their pharaohs. And when you really look into it, this, the the people who control America right now are the same families and bloodlines that controlled Europe. And those families are the same families that controlled Rome. And those families are the same families that controlled Greece. Mm -hmm. And those families that controlled Egypt all the way back to Sumer. So you've had the same people that have been in control for as far back as we can see. Mm -hmm. Right. And one thing that really gets me is that a lot of people um, kind of on the, the, conservative Christian area. They, I hear them talk about the deep state a lot, right? Mm -hmm. There's, there's the deep state, the deep state does this, the deep state does that, but then they'll go back and they'll reference this book. Right. And when you ask them, well, where did, where did we, where did we get this book from? Right. It's like the, the, the deep, the same deep state that we're referring to now has been around since the beginning of time. Right. And, and they're the ones that made this information quote unquote available, right. You used to, how many times did people print the Bible and then it was all rounded up and destroyed because they couldn't have that version of it. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like, no, you can have this version. 
of it. And so they're real quick to point out the things that are going on now, but it's so hard for them to kind of step outside that outside of that box and objectively look at where these things came from and how they started. Right. And right. Um, it's not until you can really see that these things aren't about serving you, that there's, there's, because you have your intention, your energy is being that you're, that you're giving to this is being used for something. And if that's something that this energy and intention is being used for doesn't align with, with you directly and your intention, right. Then you should start being not you personally, but we, we should start being more careful about giving that because I think a lot of these, a lot of people that are quick to defend these ways that they've been, whether it's the way that you've been raised or um, however you were introduced to it, we're so quick to defend it, but we don't take the time to understand or understand where these things came from and what they really mean. Kind of like the words that we use, right? Like we don't take the time to research the etymology of these things and what we're really saying when we're saying things, which is why word magic is so potent and so effective. Um, and you try to explain anybody this to anybody and they're going to laugh at you like, oh, it's just words, but it's not mm-hmm. just words. You've got okay. these sacred, these runes that are created from sacred geometry and these sacred vibrations that were used in esoteric practice or magical practice a long time ago that they've turned into weaponized language that they use to make us attack each other unknowingly, you know, whether it's telling someone good morning and it's like, well, what are we mourning? Exactly. You know, and that's, that's how everyone starts their day. And so it's, there's something huge about understanding why we practice and, and, and what we're really practicing, because whatever you're engaged in is your practice, whether it's magic or whether it's your occupation or whether it's, uh, what you like to do for fun. Like all of this is practice and it's important to understand like what you're really doing when you're doing these things or else you're just along for the ride, man. Yeah. You know? And, uh, shit, I just had a thought, uh, and it escaped me. Oh yeah. (laughs) Uh, you, you were speaking of, 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 you know, the book that they reference and what have you and the different versions of, of the Bible and many were written in Latin. So only certain people could, uh, read it. And then along King comes King James and people, you know, even Christians, Oh, it's the King James version or the new King James version. And, and this and that, and it's like, do you, have you ever really looked into King James? Because, uh, a, he was gay and he also dabbled heavily in Satanist and, you know, whatever you know what i mean like he he, right. he, he wasn't Cross, this, dresser was into kids all yeah. kinds of stuff was not a good dude no and you, you tell that to people and they're like oh you're just making that up just go fucking look for yourself you know what that's I mean? it but you, you you can't make somebody see the truth no. you know is the unfortunate thing and this goes back to this ego thing that we were talking about earlier it's like whether it's the earth model or, or your religion or anything for somebody to be able to see a new perspective, they have to admit to themselves that they were lied to and that they bought the lie that they perpetuated the lie and that they made fun of people who propose anything outside of the lie. I mean, I remember being in school and I think my first run in with, with like flat earth ideology was us making fun of explorers from the, the 14 and 1500s for, quote unquote, thinking that the earth was flat. And it was like something that we laughed about. Right. And then anytime that it was brought up after that, 
it was like, oh, you're one of those, you know, you're, you're one of those people. And I, I personally am not, I don't identify as a flat earther um, or uh, I'm definitely not heliocentric either. Um, I, I have a lot of fun researching alternate earth models right now. Uh, if I had to try to pick favorites, I would say that uh, cellular cosmology or like uh, uh, concave earth is a, a really fun one for me. And there is also an, uh, one, there's hardly any information on this one right now, but it's called Crater Earth. And it's it's mm-hmm. very compelling. Um, and it makes a lot of things as far as things that were said in the hermetic texts and things that um, we've kind of accepted as far as the as above, so below and, and um, micro macro stuff make a lot more sense. Um, but we're just so quick to not, not just not accept them, but to like ridicule people for trying to understand the truth, which is something I don't really understand about our culture because we should all want to understand who we are and why we're here and what we are, you know? And I feel like as soon as someone really tries to explore any of those questions, they're just essentially crucified for it. Right. Like, Um, something that changed my experience drastically was realizing that I was not a human being having a spiritual experience. I was a spiritual being having a human experience. Mm. Right. And um, it just, that changes everything. Right. And realizing that me, the I, right. Is bigger than, than this experience and this, this body that I'm in right now. um, It really, it would be easy to think that it could make someone stop trying, right? Well, if this experience isn't all of it and this isn't, you know, reality, quote unquote, then what is the point of trying here? But for me, it really made me want to embrace this experience and try to get whatever I could out of it, right? And it made me think, okay, well, if this isn't, quote unquote, reality, then why am I here, right? And I refuse to believe that I am anywhere because I have to be. So this means that I have to accept the fact that I've chosen to be here. So if I've chosen to be here and take part in this experience, then why, right? What am I here for? And how can I maximize this, this experience that I've chosen to be a part of? Um, But as soon as you start talking about, and and it's, it's in Christianity, you know, we call it the soul or, you know, the, the, the consciousness. And it's like, well, what happens after we leave? Because they won't, Christianity will not accept reincarnation. No. It's like, okay, so what happens when we're done here? You know, it's like, oh, well, you just go and you, you, you live in heaven like forever. And it's like, that doesn't sound that fun to me, dude. Like, I don't just want to leave and go chill somewhere for all of eternity. Like the idea of, having all these separate incarnations and being able to continue to grow and experience new perspectives. And that sounds way better to me, you know? And if that's what is going on here, then how can I maximize this one so that I can, whether it's master it or, or, or get what it is here and go experience something else. Um, on a previous episode, I talked to a, a guy that, that did a 20 and back. Okay. I won't get into the, the super details, but it's basically, you know, they, they're abducted at a very young age, right. taken into a secret space program for 20 years, and then age, you know, time regressed and age regressed back. Right. And we kind of in that that interview touched on reincarnation also. And he said, you know, he had claimed that he had met beings from from other galaxies and, and what have you. And, you know, some lived for, you know, 
thousands of years and whereas you know we only live you know maybe for a hundred or, or you know 80 years and he said that there is a, another race uh, uh, basically like humans pretty much almost identical to us from another galaxy and he remembered talking with the guy and he goes yeah our, our planet's completely free that you know your planet they're lying to you they're hold, they're holding you guys back and we live for almost two thousand years or a thousand years or something like that and when we started talking about reincarnating he goes, yeah, I, I think maybe we do, you know, once we've learned enough at, at, you know, where we are here right now in this existence and, you know, we die, then we get reincarnated into an, another being, you know, whatever it may be that may live, you know, okay, this time 200 years, maybe next time 500 years, you know what I mean? And, and we just continue to grow because we're, we're divine energy at the end of the day. And, and right. I, I was just like, wow, you know, that's, that's incredible. Well, in this this vessel, right, we're we're taught that this this body is who we are. But if you believe, even from a from a Christian perspective, right, if you believe that you leave this earthly vessel and then you go and and exist outside of this this physical reality, right, then you have to admit that you're more than your body, right? And I think to me, it's silly to assume that if I am infinite. Right. Like like we're taught in, in Christianity that the soul is infinite and never ending, um, that it would only experience one physical incarnation in the grand scheme of things would be like a blink. Right. Like, why would this why would this be it? And um, when you look at time and linear time and what that is and how that's supposed to work, and then you do some research on on Fomenko and, and his phantom time hypothesis and how many times time's been changed. And, you know, you kind of keep following that rabbit hole down and now you get to the Sumerian Kings list and these Kings that live 24,000, 30,000 years. And you start thinking, you know, how is that possible? Um, but really time is just something that we've been taught. And if, when you start looking at these other earth models, right, what we consider one day and what, what, how we measure time is by the revolutions of this, this solar deity on our plane, right? Now, whatever that looks like to you, whether it's a, a, a sun going around a globe or whether it's something that's kind of just circumventing a flat plane or whatever is irrelevant, but that's, that's how we measure time is with, with the sun. Um, and if you believe, like I believe, that uh, there's more land outside that, that that we're unaware of, like I don't, I I think we kind of live in this petri dish, right, where everyone's mm -hmm. kind of been corralled into this kind of like cattle in a field, right, and it makes us easier to control, and they put us on these big cities so they can feed off of our energy. Um, but if you start to really explore, like, well, what if there is a, a, a wall? somewhere and there's land on the other side of it which there's a lot of re really compelling evidence that would state that there is whether you're talking admiral bird or whether you're talking ancient history and, mm -hmm. and some of the maps that we've found from a th up to a thousand years ago some older than that um and you start thinking okay well if how is time determined there then right because right. our sun is local and so if you had a larger plane and the sun had slower or faster revolutions, then would that change what a year is for them? Would that change the way that these beings age? And so if you, if you figure we're in a kind of a Petri dish type thing, then anything outside of that, right? Even if it had more than one suns, you would have, you would have slower rotations. And so their days would not match our days. And if you believe that 
time is a false construct that's kind of implemented on this plane. And the farther you got from this center point, the less that linear time would have an effect on whatever beings resided there. So if you had someone that was living or from somewhere else that was exposed to that form of linear time that had was being measured by our standards, then somebody living two or 3,000 years or 900 years like Methuselah or 30,000 years like the Sumerian's Kings list all of a sudden doesn't start to sound so crazy. Um, I also think it's asinine that we're taught to believe that we're like the pinnacle of all that ever has been or will be. You know, like they're once you really get into Tartaria and the old world and uh, technology from Egypt and stuff like we're not hot shit. No, we're we're really not. Um, And there has been things much more advanced and much more spiritually attuned than us. And there will be after us. And something that really compels me is the the idea of the the root races that the Mayans talked about, right. That Blavatsky spoke on. And um, as far as what are, what are we doing here? If she said that at first there were the Polarians, right. From Polaris and they were purely etheric, right. And they wanted to experience a physical incarnation, a physical reality. And so they seeded the uh, Hyperboreans, I believe it was. Yes. I think it was Hyperboreans, then Lemurians, then uh, no, that's not right. It was, there were five of them. We're the fifth one. It's gotten progressively more physical each time. And if you look at that, kind of like the chakras, so your crown chakra is purely etheric, right? Mm-hmm. And um, it carries the highest vibration. And then as you go down through these chakras, right, getting towards the root, you're getting more and more physical, more and more 3D, more and more earthly, okay? And so if this is the all or the the prime creator or whatever you want to call source or whatever, trying to experience all forms of this incarnation. We're just kind of gradually working down the scale of vibration. Um, I mean, Blavatsky said there would be seven root races of which were the fifth, which would make us like the solar plexus. uh, Right. And then, so you would have sacral and then you would have the root chakra after that getting gradually more physical. And then this being, through all of these fractals, right? If you're, whatever you want to call us, these, these chunks of divinity that are parts of a greater whole will have experienced the full spectrum of vibration. Um, as far as what are we doing here? I mean, I think that that is a fun idea for me to entertain as far as just this, this Supreme being trying to experience all forms of, of incarnation, you know, just kind of like we run simulations with the weather or with all this other stuff, just trying to understand how things work. Um, if you were a omnipotent being that, you know, the universe lived inside, what else are you going to do? Right. You know what I mean? Besides try to experience different outcomes. It'd get pretty boring. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And so you'd want to experience the inverse. The grass is always greener on the other side, right? We always want to know what's on the other side of the fence. And so if you were purely etheric, you would want to know what it's like to be purely physical. If you were purely physical, you'd want to know what it would be like to be purely etheric. And so Mm -hmm. uh, maybe that's what this whole game is, dude, is just trying to experience. And that makes sense with the, uh, to me, when, when you said maybe we're at the, the solar plex, because 
you see a lot nowadays where, okay, we all, you know, name of my show is my third eye. You know what I mean? We all want to open our third eye and, and have these experiences. And I think that's why you see a lot of talk and a lot of when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply people um really getting into um whether it's psychedelic mushrooms ayahuasca or you know other natural uh like dmt or whatever to to help generate these third eye experiences to where you and it's not just to sit there and hope to see little cartoon characters run around and 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 you know watch the maybe the wall go wavy or whatever but it's to right. get you know it's t telling you something, you know, it's, it's making you look into yourself as, as they say, um, to, to see what you need to work on and, and to help enlighten yourself. And to me, I think that, I think that's awesome. Um, I, I, I I'm in a position with, with having a CDL that I, I can't do any of that, but right. I, I'm, I'm not going to tell people not to. And I wish, I wish I could experience that. You know what I mean? Just because, I, I've had a guy on in the past that that does you know uh, very controlled DMT sessions and his experiences and and seeing beings and being healed while while in one uh, and then you hear people go on these ayahuasca journeys or or have you know psilocybin uh, you know hallucinations where you know they they see themselves and they need to work on something that that they didn't know that they were burying per se, because if they've kept it buried that far and then they're right. like, I need to work on that. And then by working on that, they're like, I feel so free now. You know what I mean? Like, I, I feel exactly. like, you know, whether you had a, a, a very, you grew up and you were abused or whatever, and you confront that and you're like, wow, I don't have to hide behind that anymore because that part of my ego doesn't control me. You know, I, I pretty much told the, the ego, you know, go fuck yourself. And exactly. I don't need you to keep me down in this low vibration. And I don't know. It's just, it, it's really fascinating. I, I, I thought that was really neat that you brought that up. It's, it's a very special thing. And uh, plant medicine in general, like when you look back in history at all these ancient ruins, like find me one ancient ruin that doesn't have a mushroom carved into a wall somewhere, yeah. you know? And even people who support <clears throat> evolution, like Graham Hancock, that was one of the things that he really, the, the, I think it's called the stoned ape. Yeah. Uh, theory is like this this monkey got a hold of some psychedelic mushroom and it changed the the wiring of its brain essentially mm -hmm. um and a psychedelic experience and then the the difference of enzymes in in people learning to cook their meat are like the two things that really could have facilitated a change like that now i'm not an evolution guy no, um, not either but as far as uh plant medicine and ayahuasca and the journeys that these can take you on like how how do you explain how does someone explain uh different people from different cultures who have never and will never meet each other 
taking this substance and being taken to the same place and seeing mm-hmm. the same beings and seeing the say, you know, whether you want to call it the DMT realm and people talk about the time knife and all this stuff or the frog. And, and mm-hmm. it's like, how do you explain, uh, or, or the DMT fairies or the DMT elves? I mean, like, how do you, how do you explain all of these different people taking, who have never met each other, taking a substance and seeing the same thing, if that's not a place, or if that's not, um, I kind of see it as like uh, the they live glasses, you know, yeah. where I, I, I don't believe in, in, in space per se and the context that it's, that it's given to us in, right. in school. I think that NASA is a giant money laundering scheme. Mm. Um, but I think that it's all vibration and it's all frequency and this, this, this frequency and this rhythm that is talked about in all these ancient texts, I think is, we as humans are able to perceive like 1% of the spectrum of light and 1% of the spectrum of sound. Right. And so anything outside of that 1% could be right on top of us and we would never know it. So if I had to try to create a visual for what this place is and how it works, as far as like travel to different, you know, quote unquote galaxies or star systems, or I, I think it's all, dimensional or interdimensional and that it's it's a it's a frequency thing and so we're tuned into a very specific channel here and i think there's things happening all around us all the time that we just don't have the tools in this physical vessel to be able to perceive right and so when you take something plant medicine that is going to either alter your vibrations or alter your ability to perceive vibrations from outside of you right and you you've you've just tuned into a new channel um, and one of the things that really intrigues me about history is the, the man bags that all of the Sumerian gods were portrayed with, right? It looks like a little, mm-hmm. like a little purse type thing. Right. Yeah. And you see them at Gobekli Tepe, you see them at Machu Picchu and these, these structures are, are built, uh, not right near each other. These things yeah. are all over the world. There's a lot of it in Mesoamerica too, and, and doors that don't go anywhere, um, you know, doors that are carved into a, a cliff face that just dead ends right into a brick wall. And the locals will tell you that those were where the, the, the gods or the ascended masters would walk through those gateways into other dimensions. And they, they carry these little bags. So imagine for a second, if you will, that this bag was some sort of a device that was able to alter the vibrations of whoever was carrying it. Right. Which we know is possible to some degree because that's why crystals work for us Mm -hmm. is because we carry vibrations. The crystals carry vibrations. Us bringing the crystals into our auric field or into our space, right. Is going to adjust our vibrations, which is going to adjust the way that the universe interacts with us. So if you had this bag that can either drastically raise or lower your vibrations, it could essentially vibrate you right out of this physical experience, right. Into, into something else that can't be perceived by the meat suit that that we're wearing here so it's it sounds really crazy that somebody walked through a door into nothing and disappeared but when you break it down like that and understand that we're all just particles moving at different speeds and you're the same as the tree in the front yard and you're the same as the the concrete on the sidewalk and we're all just carbon molecules that are vibrating at different speeds it's not that crazy to think that somebody could just kind of vibrate out of here which i think also gives a possible uh, solution or, or, or answer as far as like, how did these gigantic cultures just disappear off of the face of the earth? You know, like in, in, in Mesoamerica, for example, the Aztecs, like what happened to these, these 
gigantic civilizations. You're talking cities that would hold 20 million people that were just deserted and everybody was gone. They can't figure out where they went. You know, maybe they just left, dude. Maybe they just got to a point where they were spiritually attuned and, and realized through the help of, you know, these, these deities that showed up, whether you're going to talk Verocha or Kukulkan or, or Quetzalcoatl or uh, Katezal, like these dudes that showed up and showed them how to utilize this, uh, the sacred energies of nature and taught them how to build structures in tune with, with the vibrations of the earth, you know, same with the Tartarians and stuff. Like they were utilizing the ether and they were utilizing the vibrations and the the life force of the earth. And they were, everything was free and renewable and they were spiritually attuned and there was spiritual sovereignty. And, and I think that this plane is not meant for that, that once you get to a certain level here as a civilization, that it's just kind of reset and then repopulated with this slave culture, you know, because that's ultimately that is what this experience is right now. We're not Mm -hmm. allowed to have true sovereignty We're we're it's an open air prison. Essentially. I mean, I know that sounds like a really morbid thing to say, but when you, when you really break it down and there's ways out of that, you know, you can withdraw from that system and you can start being more careful about where you put your energy um, and where you get your information and stuff. But like the people who just go through the system, the way that the system's designed are absolutely modern day slaves, you know, unfortunately. And to, to bring it back to, uh, you know, the psychedelics and what have you, I wanted to mention earlier, and I forgot um, when you you were hitting or touching on on Moses and what have you, and when he came across the burning bush. Um, right. This could be a theory, but there is there is evidence to kind of to to back it up. But that burning bush was an acacia bush, right. and what acacia produces is the DMT oil. So if that right. was burning, and he went and saw this divine being, and did, you know got the Ten Commandments essentially he was on a dmt trip right you know what i mean so and then to to also take it back when we were touching on mushrooms being all over you know especially the amanita back back in the the day and what have you um is probably the most recognized mushroom you know the the red with the little white spots just like toad on on the mario brothers um I, i i grew up not really liking mushrooms and i started getting into when the the pandemic kind of came out i've always had kind of an an infinity for for natural healing and i stumbled across a way to make my own homemade quinine and i've been making it since 2020 somewhere in there and then i started getting curious on gourmet wild mushrooms and started looking into it watched uh um the the fantastic fun fungi with uh paul stay I forget how to say his last name. Stan. It's that Netflix deal, right? Yes. Yeah, and okay. um, just all the, the the awesome properties, not just with psilocybin, which they're finding great work with Alzheimer's and dementia patient, patients with that, but like your lion's mane with cognitive, you know, helping repair, you know, the, the firing process and the thinking process in your brain. And, Take it every day. Yeah. And I... I started last fall going out and foraging and now spring's starting to hit out here on the East coast and I, yeah, I'm getting the itch. Morels are going to be starting to come up, uh, you know, the chanterelles and everything else. And I have a couple spots where I know that, um, I found wild lion's mane last fall and wow, it, 
to to eat it and saute it up. It's fantastic. Oh, it's great. I mean, tastes like lobster, texture of lot, you know what I mean? And and what have you. But then I, I stumbled across a mushroom based coffee and I've been taking that. And it has, you know, reishi, turkey tail, lion's mane, and a couple others that I can't think of the top of my head. And boom. Is I mean, this that mud water? No, this is Rise, R Y Z E. Okay. Okay. I looked into mud water, but um, comparing the two, and they're not affiliate or a sponsor of the show, I liked more what Rise had to offer. And gotcha. I, I ordered it and I, I've been drinking it now for, for two months. And my wife looked at me, she's like, Oh, you and your mother. I'm like, You have no idea. Like, I, I don't get the jitters. As soon as I'm done with my coffee, I mean, I'm. I don't get that two o'clock. I I love it. And I don't know. There's just something about mushrooms and the way they are connected to the earth and each one of them, you can pick one here and one here and they're identical, but they both have completely separate DNAs. And it's, it's just, wow. I mean, there's just so much that we don't know about, you know, mushrooms and fungi that, it blows my mind and I'm, I'm glad I'm finally getting into it, but I wish I would have got into it when I was a lot younger. You know what I mean? Well, and isn't there a lot of research uh, that would suggest that fungus is sentient yeah. and, 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 and conscious and able to, yes. to make decisions and adapt to its environment and stimuli? Yep. And they, with the mycelium, they are the great communicators of the entire forest where every Every living tree plant use the mycelium as a roadway to communicate, say a tree drops um, its, its seeds or whatever, and some are too close to, to where it dropped, but some are further away. Somehow the tree will communicate to, you know, tra- make sure water gets transported to that further seed away to make it grow instead of some of the closer ones. So the closer ones don't snuff out the tree that that dropped the seeds and and, and why that's and, incredible yeah and it's explained in fantastic fungi i've watched it like three times now and it, it's just like and he cured his mother um with turkey tail uh, she had like this big massive uh like lump on her breast and she was at the age where she couldn't have it sur- surgery or anything you know she was like in her 80s or whatever so he started a regimen on turkey tail and maybe a couple other you know mushrooms and cured her and and she never had to go to the hospital for it well and that's that's incredible and and i'm a firm believer that like everything we need is is emotionally and spiritually is is within us i think that uh we're taught to kind of seek out all these external sources of growth when a lot of times whether you're using plant medicine or something i think that a lot of times you can accomplish the same or more just by looking within Mm -hmm. but i also think that everything we need to survive and stay healthy occurs here naturally yes right and um you know when you really dig into it because i've been a conspiracy theorist my whole life i was the kid that used to get made fun of for talking about 9-11 being an inside job when i was in high school you know um and learning about all the different operations, you know, Mockingbird and High Jump. And it just, it just blew my mind. And I, I, I could never stop. And learning about in the early 1900s, 1913, 1914, I think between 1913 and 1918, uh, I mean, that was when the Federal Reserve was implemented. That was when 
uh, the Rothschilds basically bought uh, Rothschilds Rockefellers. I, I get confused between the two. Bought basically all of the the medical institutions. They bought all the colleges. They mm-hmm. bought and, and and made um, naturopathy illegal. Yep. Right. And um, this was when big oil was was basically controlled the world, which is why we need this fossil fuel hoax and all this because they have to implement this this uh manufactured scarcity right if Mm -hmm. if we knew and that's why we can't know about the old world right Right. because if we knew that we could pull etherite out of the sky we're not going to pay six dollars a gallon for gasoline we're not going to pay a 250 dollars electric bill and then the whole system crumbles because if it doesn't cost you all this this money to survive then you're not going to be willing to trade all of your time and energy for said money to be able to survive i mean this whole thing is built on this false sense of scarcity right mm-hmm. when really there's abundance everywhere yep. um and, and so you, it you hit on it right on the nail on the head that the false narrative of fossil fuels they don't oil isn't made from dinosaur bones that become hell no it's not you know what i mean like what the f- and people still believe this shit right and it's like well let me see their bones well i'll let you see some bones that we made to look like their bones but like you can't see the real bones yeah. you know um, and I think th- this is get real controversial, but I think that dinosaurs in the context that we've been given is total bullshit to begin with. And I think that whole narrative was come up with to be able to perpetuate this fossil fuel hooks. And that's not to say that there wasn't big, crazy shit that lived here before we did. That's not what I'm saying. Um, but I think that w- once you really get into the meat and bones of it, dude, we're not talking about like a T-Rex as much as we're talking about like a, a, a dragon. Right. right. Um, and when serpents are mentioned a lot in, in the Bible. Right. And when I hear serpent, I think snake. Right. But when you dig into that and see how serpents are described in the old Testament, they're said to have had legs and wings and breathe fire. Mm-hmm. Right. That's not, that's not a snake, dude. Yeah. That's, that's a dragon. Every culture in the world has written about dragons. Right. And it's only in the West that they've been demonized everywhere else. They're, they're revered. Yeah. And um, when you really continue to dig, you find words like seraphine, mm-hmm. right. Or seraphim, which is a, an angel of the highest order, but it's also a dragon. Right. right. And you, there's a very, very close correlation between angels and dragons and what those things were like it's not a crazy notion to believe that either angels rode dragons or angels were dragons and then you have to dig into like well what is an angel right if it's just this being that lives at a higher vibration that comes down to try and assist us minuscule humans closer to this uh, what we're what we call ascension or 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 christ consciousness or whatever um there's it doesn't matter what direction you approach it from you're going to find something about dragons mm-hmm. it, 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 it comes up everywhere um maps from the 1500s and the 1400s that have dragons and mermaids and shit on them and like i believe personally that uh like lord of the rings specifically and and basically all of of uh tolkien's work is rebranded history right it's just it's just old history like how what does one how many fully functional languages did he allegedly 
create it was seven or eight languages mm-hmm. as far as like elven and dwarven he wrote a complete history and genealogy of all these separate races um you know and it all, not just like we know about some like middle earth or whatever these people who are really into to tolkien his body of work is almost incomprehensible i mean it's obscene yeah. Um, and then you have, and maybe he was just granted access to what a lot of people refer to as the Akashic record, you know, and then you have dudes like Tesla who came up with all this stuff and Tesla said he never invented anything. Mm-hmm. This was all just ancient shit that he was gifted. A lot of it came to him in dreams or in meditations and he would try to reverse engineer this stuff. And so like, we have no idea what this place really is or what it was or or how it works. And I think a lot of these false constructs and the manufactured scarcity that we um, are basically enslaved with is to keep us from tapping into that energy that these guys had access to, right? Because if all your time and energy is going into trying to secure this paper money so that you can pay $6 a gallon to drive to work so that you can pay $2,000 a month to live in a box and you can paid $300 on top of that so that you have lights in your box and you can stay warm while you're in your box and you don't have time to go and explore the nature of reality or go meditate Mm -hmm. in the forest and talk to the trees. And that's another thing. It's like crazy people talk to trees. Right. right? And and like, I am a nature love and SOB dude. Mm -hmm. I spend every bit of free time that I have is in the woods. And it's like, the forest will talk to you, man. Absolutely. You just have to listen and the plants will talk to you. And it, it, it's like, we're just taught that all of this stuff is crazy and it's asinine and we just laugh it off. But like, this is a very special place, man. And we've just mm-hmm. closed ourselves off to it. And whether it's through the calcification of the, the pineal gland through fluorinated water um, or the shit they spray into the sky or everything else, like all of this is a very deliberate attempt to keep us from accessing parts of ourselves that we're taught don't exist. Um, And so again, being able to embrace new ideas and explore new things is how we find these, these parts of ourselves that haven't been lost. They're, they're not lost. They've been stolen, Mm -hmm. right? Whether it's our, our history or the the stories that are associated with it or our gifts as, as powerful co-creators or our divinity, right? Like all of these things. And that's what the heliocentric model is to me to begin with is to convince you that you're just this smart ape that, you know, you were a, a, an amoeba that turned into a salamander that, that, that stood up and walked and you're just this cosmic accident. And one of millions of other cosmic accidents in this infinite universe. And like, you're not special and creator does source doesn't care about you. You have, you you see what I'm saying? Like, I think that all of that is just designed to make you feel insignificant. Um, And the creator of those theories, nothing, nothing has ever happened to prove their theories since they even came up with it you know right, or I, gravity I, yeah gravity you know, you know the, the theory of evolution you know if that's if if evolution uh the way they describe it exists we should see monkeys turning into humans we, we should have seen that by now yeah at, or at, at least some point at yeah. least progress yes, towards that towards right it. at least like notable change yeah um it's we're we're special man, we really are. And, um, I think understanding that and accepting that is the key to being able to embrace that. And, um, the whole game breaks 
once we accept that and once yeah. we can start to walk in our creative abilities, the whole system falls apart. And that's why they'll fight tooth and nail. And it doesn't matter whether it's your earth model or whether it's your system of belief or whether it's your magical practice or whether it's just how you approach simple things in your life, like your job or your relationships. Like this snowballs, as soon as you start breaking down these walls in your experience that you've either willingly created for yourself or been taught to create yourself or been forced to create for yourself. Once you start to tear these walls down, your experience starts to change and it happens really, really rapidly. And, you know, another thing that is very compelling to me as far as, as this whole notion of evolution and, and, and us and who we are as a species, a, a big part of their argument for uh, proof that we come from, from, greater apes right is that is the the rhesus gene right um which is a, a, a protein i believe that occurs on the in the in the cells of the the rhesus apes that mm-hmm. that some humans also carry right and um i found out about this because i i have all kinds of issues as far as like allergies and asthma and uh, rheumatism and all kinds of shit that I've dealt with for my whole life. And somebody one time kind of said to me that like, well, what's your blood type, you know? And I did, I'm O negative. Right. Mm-hmm. And so the, well, that's very common in O negative people. It's like, well, why, you know, right. why? And then I found out, uh, about this RH negative RH positive thing. And that is very big in the conspiracy world. Cause, uh, one thing I came across all the time was like, well, these lizard people that control, uh, this plane they're all rh negatives and you got to be scared of these people and they're they're this and they're that and they're i've heard of heard of called nephilim and i've heard them called reptiles and i've heard them called anunnaki and i've heard you know all this Mm -hmm. stuff and it's like well that's found out that's me you know and like i don't think i'm that bad i don't feel like a reptile or a nephilim you know but what is what does this mean and then i start digging into it and i find out that like RH negative people uh, have a lower operating temperature and there's a correlation between the, the, the rhesus gene and IQ and uh, um, certain psychic abilities. And then I found out that when the military was doing its, its psychic operations, as far as remote viewing and well, there's major thunder going on here. Sorry about that. Um, oh, that's okay. I was wondering, I, I didn't know if it was a jet or, or what was going no, on. No, it's the whole house just shook. Um, but like when the military was trying to find, you know, whatever you want to call them, patients or subjects, mm-hmm. um, if they weren't RH negative, the military did, didn't even look into them for the project. It was a prerequisite for these for these people. And so this is something that the military is very familiar with. Right. We're not. Um, after having children, I couldn't figure out why I had to have a blood test um, for my partner at the time to have, it's like, I'm not having the kid. Why do you need my blood? You know? And then finding out that uh, it was to test for that rhesus gene, right? Well, why do we have to do that? Well, come to find out these, these species, right? Because that's what it is. It's two distinctly different species. And if two people, one being positive and one being negative, try to have a child together, the body is going to abort. Mm-hmm that child because it realizes at some at a certain point that it's it's carrying a different species right and so it will terminate the pregnancy and so where this takes my mind is like 
and 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 I've heard people say that like the Rh positive uh, bloodline or whatever can only be traced back. I've heard everything from 250 to 600 years, but it's it, it's not verifiable for very long. Right. Whereas the um, the other is is basically indefinite. And does that tie in, Matt? Uh, from Great Deception does a ton of work on uh, the foundlings and the the orphan trains and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Was like, was this place populated? You know, right? Um, and how does all that fit together? And it's it's just very intriguing to me because we're all taught that we're all exactly the same and we all don't matter, right? And we know that we matter. So the first half of that is bullshit. But we also know now that we're not the same. So why has that been taken from us? Mm-hmm. Right. And why is it so hard to a find out your blood type? Right. 90 percent of the people that I've talked about this have no idea what their blood type is. Right. Um, and it, finding information on on what this is and how it works and what it means. And historically, like if I find something on uh, RH negative like research, I've got to save it because the chances are two weeks later when I get back to it, it's not going to be there. Mm -hmm. Um, And most of the things that get taken or censored are taken and censored because somebody's flying too close to the sun, you know? Um, So I don't know, man, there's just a lot of very intriguing. There's a lot we don't know. And we go to college and we're taught that we know everything. Mm. Right. So that we stop asking questions. Um, And I got nothing against college, but there's a lot of real smart dummies that come out of college who, uh, you know, what, what does it do to me? A a big part of it is just perpetuating this false sense of scarcity. And if you, if you do what you're told, you end up, uh, graduating high school by not asking questions. You go to college and you get another four to eight years of indoctrination by not asking questions. Mm -hmm. Right. At that point, you're a couple hundred grand in debt. You go buy a house, you're another three, four hundred thousand in debt. You go buy a car, you're another 50, 60 grand in debt. So by 30, right, if you did it right, you're half million or three quarter million dollars in debt. Mm -hmm. And now you've got to spend the rest of your experience trying to figure out how you can trade as much of your time as possible for as much of these banknotes as possible to be able to pay off this debt slavery that you've been basically funneled into. Yeah. You know? Now with uh, the RH negative, do you find yourself, uh, do you eat more red meat? Oh dude, I cannot, I cannot not have meat. I've tried several times to, uh, to be vegan. Maybe that makes me a reptile, dude. I don't know, but I, I can't do without and red meat. My body, uh, definitely takes the most sustenance from red meat for you, sure. The reason I ask, are you familiar with the wicked planet pro- podcast, Ron from new England? Uh, yeah, ish. Okay. He, he's RH negative. Uh, he talks about uh, needing to eat more red meat because uh, RH negative people, uh, they don't produce the iron that right. that most people, like like myself, I may be positive, I produce iron naturally. And it, it's more closely, your blood type is more closely related to the blue crab. Copper. Yeah. Yeah. With copper. And blue bloods yeah. exactly and i was just like wow that's fascinating stuff and we, we yeah, also need like four times the amount of protein as the average yes. person yeah and you're also not susceptible to some of the sicknesses as as well you know what i mean right so it, it's got its pros and it's got its cons and but it, it, it is fascinating do you have paranormal well, experiences oh my whole life okay yeah, yeah, my yeah whole life. that's also it was something that very commonly associated with that too 
I tried really hard to drink it away. I don't know if we've, we've talked about this, you and I, but I was a daily drinker for like 17 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a little over three years sober now, but a big part of why that started, A, I had a ton of trauma and abuse in my childhood and that helped me kind of cope with that. But also I started experiencing things, right. That I didn't understand. And every time I tried to talk to somebody about it, I was either called crazy and somebody tried to medicate me or they told me that like, that was, it was evil or this was. And so the easiest way for me to turn it off was just by drinking. Um, And one of the big things, like I, like I tell people, it's like, it took me a year to figure out after I quit drinking, it took me a year to figure out that I had no clue who I was or what I was. And then it took me a year to figure out that that was okay. And then it took me a year to figure out, to figure out who I was and what I was into and what I cared about. Um, but a big part of that was making peace with these things that started coming back when Mm -hmm. I wasn't numbing myself with that anymore and trying to, instead of running from them, trying to understand them and embrace them. And then that turned into figuring out how to try to, um, improve or, uh, attune these things that I thought were a curse, but now I kind of look at it as a gift. And, um, I mean, I could. I can tell you some crazy stories about some stuff that I've experienced, but it's, it's, it's just, we can save that for another episode, right? <laughs> it's, it, it's just, I'll just say that it's really starting to unfold in my life. Um, and instead of walking away from these things that I don't understand, I'm walking towards them and trying to um, really hold space for those things to grow in my experience. And, and it's trying to help me figure out, you know, who and what I am. But as far as like, the pros and cons of the RH negative thing, like, like how we got on this was like allergies and rheumatism Mm -hmm. and asthma and all this stuff. And, you know, one could make the argument that that could be because I'm not built physically for, for this place. Right. right? Um, Because you would think if there was somewhere that you evolved, right. Or you were incarnated or whatever that you would agree with, the, the things that were going to occur naturally around you. Right. Like, why would I be allergic to a planet that I was designed for? Right. You know? Um, and so there's a lot of really interesting, really interesting stuff in that as far as I'm concerned. Um, and I think that a lot of people look at it as like um, people trying to be better or, or, or worse than one another. Like, well, I'm RH negative and you're not, or I, I, you're RH negative and I'm blah, blah, blah. blah. And like, which is how the whole, like, oh, well don't trust these people because they're serpents or reptiles or Nephilim. And I think a lot of that is just to keep us from being able to embrace the differences that we have. Um, and because I think that if we understood these things, we could start to work together. And so, because we're all good at different shit, man. Like mm-hmm. I, 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 whether it's, you talked about being an empath. I don't know if you've looked at like the, the six clairs and like the different ways that people can uh, intuit through the universe. I tend to be very clear cognizant, which is more about like um, an intuitive sense of knowing, right? Like some people will see visions, Some people will hear things. Some people uh, touch or taste or one of their senses is very associated with, with intuition or, or downloads or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. For me, it's like, I just get punched in the face with this freaking lump right. Of, of information that I've got to try to figure out what to do with. And sometimes I'll just wake up and understand something that I've never studied before. And then I'll spend days of my life trying to, you know, either validate or prove that wrong. Right. When it was something that just kind of landed, landed in my head. And so us being able to figure out how we work, right. And then 
and, and, and embrace that and then start to feed that, you know, like if you can figure out how your body intuits, then you can start trying to expose yourself to that and expose yourself to different people and stimuli and environments, um, which all comes with, you know, the opening of the third eye and then and, and understanding that we are this divine vessel of, of, uh, of, of creation. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and being able to embrace that, but like, I'm of the belief that everyone is an empath right. to, to, to one right. degree or another. Yes. It's just, we're taught not to be, we're taught that there's five senses and what you can perceive with those five senses is what denotes reality, right? Like if, mm-hmm. if you can perceive with one of these five things, it's real where you and I know that there are a lot of things that we can't perceive with those traditional five senses that are real, whether it's entities or whether it's spirits or it's elementals or whether it's, you know, shit that's talked about in mythology as far mm-hmm. as like cryptids or or the Fae or um, there's there's all kinds of stuff that lays outside of what we consider normal that you and I know exist. We're just right. we're just taught not to. And so being able to embrace that and explore that is what's going to start to change your experience. And uh, I posted something yesterday that says once you start to see the mystical, the mystical starts to see you. Mm-hmm. Right. And as you start, I think a big part of it is accepting that it's real. Just like with crystals, a big part of what is going to make crystals effective in your experience is a recognizing that there's something there, right. And that, that they are going to create change and B realizing that these things are alive and conscious and sentient, right. Because Mm -hmm. once you can recognize the crystal kingdom as conscious or alive, you can start to interact with it because you can't interact with something that you refuse to accept as real or conscious or sentient. Right. And I think it's like that with everything else. And as you, as you start to accept these new truths or avenues for growth, it's almost like unlocking a new level of the game. Mm -hmm. Right. And you have all these new things to explore, um, which again is why, people work so hard to try to keep us from having those realizations and get us busy pointing the finger at each other and telling each other that we're wrong and all this stuff. Um, So we have access to all of it man. all of it. It's just these mental blocks that have been installed through programming. And, you know, we got to turn off the TV, dude, Mm -hmm. we got to turn off the TV. It's, it's called a television. It's telling you a vision. What you're watching on this box that's telling you a vision is called programming. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, they're not even hiding it from us. No, not at all. So when you look at Operation Mockingbird and stuff like that, like all of this is none of this is arbitrary. Mm-hmm. Right. And people are playing chess. You hear a lot in the in the conservative right about this 5D chess, you know, and they're really this really is a game of chess to some degree. And it, it, once you watch Game of Thrones right? Mm-hmm. Like that, that power struggle that's constantly taking and this dude stabbing this dude in the back so he can get in the, th- you know what I mean? Like that could not be more real on a world scale. Like oh, all of these leaders are just trying to find somebody to stab in their back mm-hmm. so that they can take control of whatever it is they have, you know? Um, and they're doing the same thing with you. We're just the villagers, dude, yeah. that, that get exploited by these, the 1% of 1%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Got to refuse to be food. Absolutely. And w- when, when it like, I guess with my abilities with an empath, I, I pick up more on, on people's energy. Um, I do pick up on like negative or positive energy, but I, I, I don't know, like if, if I'm blind talking with somebody, 
I can pick up on colors that are might be around them and right. or, or or on them. And I, I don't know what it means, but you know, I, I'm still looking into it, you know, and, and it wasn't until probably two years ago that someone had told me, you know, dude, you, you, those are abilities of an empath. And I'm like, well, dude, I have no empathy for anybody. And they're like, no, that's <laughs> well, not what that means. And I'm like, right. and they're like, and they explained it. And I was like, oh, okay. So, and I've had some guests on that, that have kind of helped, you know, teach me and, you know, and then that's the purpose of why I kind of started this is to, to learn more and to have people like yourself on, you know, just sit here and take all everything that you're, you know, you're laying at me and, you know, not just for me, but for the listeners and, and learn and, and grow with it. And it, it, it's an amazing feeling, uh, at, at the end of the day, cause I, I say this all the time, I'm not the same person I was when I started this podcast and, and my wife can attest to it. She's like, you're so much, your, your, your energy is so much more calming. You, you don't get, you know, worked up over, you know, news and you know, like I, I got complete turned off all news. I turned off TV. I'll, I might watch a program here or there, you know, just with my wife or whatever and, and half pay attention to it. If it, you know, if I like it or not, but other than that, you know, I go to work, I come home, I, I focus around the house. I focus on the podcast. You know, I, I, I try to meet new people even out and about, you know, I'll just go up and be like, Hey, you know, and, or overhear a conversation like just last night, uh, over at a buddy's house. And, you know, someone had said that they went on a trip and went to like this haunted, it was an old asylum up in New York state and uh, brought a, a a demon attachment back and i'm like oh come talk to me i, I you know right. I, you know I, I have a podcast i love talking about shit like this i said we don't have to you know schedule an interview or nothing but you know tell me all about it and and the old me would have just heard that and been like yeah whatever you know right. i've 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 had you know some things like that happen or no people but no the the newer side that that i've embraced and come out because i would have never had conversations with strangers just you know she's like i can't believe you you get people on your show and you just sit there and talk to them you you never would have done that i'm like well i'm new and improved you know what i mean well and you're opening doors for yourself yeah, man and absolutely. it's it snowballs you you it's you're you're constantly rebranding and destroying and 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 recreating a reality for yourself right and mm -hmm. the first step to creating a new reality is is either refusing to accept one or, or outright destroying one. And the best way to destroy one is with new information. Right. And yep. so you being open and um, accepting of these, of these new notions. And that's something as far as like attachments that is very, very real, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and it was interesting the way that you kind of described uh, how things went for you. For me, it was like uh, I could, I could perceive someone's energy and I could perceive their intention. Right. Mm -hmm. And what was strange about that was I would feel it like it was mine. Yeah. Okay. And, and I, I don't really know how to explain it you feel really it well. Chest. Uh, yeah. And, but it, it was like, I could be next to someone and, um, feel the way that they were looking at me or feel the way that they were looking at someone else. And it was almost like I could feel that desire or I could feel, mm -hmm. um, what that fantasy felt like playing out in their head, whether it was, you know, something positive or, or something crazy, like stabbing someone or something. And it, I would recognize instantly that that wasn't mine. Right. Right. Um, and the, the color thing is very interesting that you mentioned. And is, is that something that you, that you see 
or do you just know the color? You, it, you, it you know what I'm asking? When, when I see it, it's in my it's in my frontal lobe. Like I OK, just, but it is it does image. feel like vision from the yeah. third eye, though. Yep. OK, yeah. See, that's very interesting for me. It's more just like a, like a like a knowing. And, yeah. and if I try to visualize something and like even when I'm doing a, a guided meditation or something, um, visualization for me is less like seeing something i know that people when they use their imagination it's like they can they can close their eyes and they can see it and it's right in front of them and it's there and that's just not how my brain works and it's something that i've worked on really hard um to try to figure out and over time i've just kind of realized that that's not the way that my brain works and i can beat my head against the wall and try to make me do something that i'm not equipped to do or i can try to embrace it in a way that is going to be conducive uh to creation for me. And, and so a lot of it is just really accepting this sense of knowing if I'm going to try to visualize something that I know that I'm there and I know that this is happening. I, you, you see what I'm saying? Yep. Um, which is, is hard. It's hard to describe to someone whose brain doesn't work that way. Um, and just like, I, I have to understand the whole notion of something. If I'm going to, if I'm going to put a roof on a house, right. You can't just show me how to nail shingles to the roof. I have to understand why this system works mm -hmm. and how this system works. And I'm going to go through the whole thing. And then you're not going to have to show me all this, all these, these finer details, because I understand the way that the system works. If it's a, if it's a motor, right. A small right. engine or something like once I understand how that works, I can start to troubleshoot it in my mind. And I'm a very efficient problem solver. Once I understand the basics of something. Mm -hmm. um, and so a key for me uh, mentally and spiritually is trying to understand the, the, the constructs of something and why things act, whether it's a person or whether it's a, a business trying to understand why it acts the way that it does. Um, and then figure out how I can take the way that my brain operates and inject that into this system that already exists, as opposed to trying to change the system or change the way that my brain works. It's understanding these two things are very separate and independent and understanding both of those and then trying to figure out how they fit together, kind of like a puzzle. Right. Um, and, but visualization is something that I've, I've really struggled with. And I'm glad that we talked about it because there are a lot of people that just give up, mm -hmm. right. They, oh, I'm trying to visualize this and I can't, I can't see it the way that I think that I'm supposed to. And so I'm just going to give up kind of like meditation. Um, meditation's hard. Yeah, dude. It's hard. People think that it's like, well, you just go sit down and meditate. It's like, I sit down and meditate and my brain's like, what are you going to have for dinner tonight? What are mm -hmm. you going to build at work tomorrow? You know, and there's all these thoughts and me trying to cast those thoughts out just perpetuates it and makes more thoughts try to fill that space. And so learning how to just sit with those things and understand that they're there. Right. And mm -hmm. that's OK. And then try to hold the space for these thoughts that need to be there, but also create this void that can be populated with new thoughts. Um, and there are tools that can be used, like sensory deprivation is a very uh, powerful tool for me and meditation because it just takes all the bullshit out of it. And I mean, you get in there and all these, this energy that's normally going to these five senses, trying to perceive everything is just like phew, gone. And all that, all that brain power is now just available and like feed me, mm -hmm. you know? And um, I have really cool experiences in there um, in, in, in the flow. I think that, sensory deprivation in, in some forms is almost like a, 
like a portal and I haven't, I've only done it in one place. So I don't know that this is something that's like specific to this place that I flow and I only use one pod. So I don't know if it's this pod that's something special or just the idea of, of sensory deprivation. But I think there's a, there's a gateway there. Um, and that whether you want to call them spirits or entities or elementals or, or, or beings from other, other times or whatever, because once you understand that linear time is false, like it's just, it, it makes everything, I mean, it sounds really crazy, but it really makes everything less crazy once you take that out of it, that like, this is just this this construct and we've been taught to experience one thing after another right when outside of this things just happen they just are they can just be and an infinite being in theory would be able to tune into whatever part of that string this infinite string of these which really it's like everything's happening all at once and there's just all these different possible outcomes, kind of, is how I see it. All these different possible timelines that are happening simultaneously. And so these, these beings that aren't locked into one particular construct have the ability to kind of tune in and incarnate in any one of these separate constructs and, and give that their attention for, you know, a, a, any given amount of time. But this whole notion where it's like we have to be in one place at one time and experience these things in this linear fashion uh, doesn't exist outside of, you know, this system that's been built for us to exist inside. And who knows, maybe real me is laying in a sensory deprivation pod somewhere, you know, and this is just some experience that I'm having inside some, some pod, you know, yeah. we don't, we don't know. Yeah. That's um, a whole nother rabbit hole to go down. <laughs> right. Like, you know, maybe, maybe when we're, we're sleeping, that is reality. And when we're awake, that is the dream conscious. You know what I mean? It, it, it Exactly. It's, it's, it's one to, to wrap your mind around for sure. And the dream state is a very potent tool to, I use it to process information specifically. Mm -hmm. And so like, um, kind of trying to treat my brain like a computer, because it makes it easier for me to understand what's happening. And so like, if you imagine downloading a huge program, right now, well, now it's on the hard drive, but you can't use it yet. Right. right. You have to be able to install it for it to be usable. And so when I take in information, that's what it feels like to me. I was taking these ginormous amounts of information that I can't really do anything with. And if I read a big something and you try to have me just repeat it back to you and explain what I just, went through, I can have a really hard time dealing with that. But once I have time to process it and I can understand the system, like we were talking about and understand how everything fits together, um, I can try to put it together more cohesively. And so, uh, I have specific crystals that I work with. And I, I mean, I've got a, a dream altar that's set up right over my, at my head when I sleep. And it's like, so I'll take this information and then I'll take it to the dream state. And it, for me, how it works is like this, this physical body is very, very limiting, Right. We have, we have rules inside this body that we, we don't have outside of it. I mean, I, I, I'm of the belief that we kind of agree to come here and live inside the, the, the rules of this little vessel that we're going to drive here inside this, this 3d experience that we, we need to take part in. And so this vessel is just a means for us to participate in that. Um, and we, we agree to forget everything. When we come here, we agree to kind of play by the rules. Um, and that when you dream and you 
your, your consciousness is no longer residing directly in this human vessel, you have all these other doors open. All of a sudden you don't have to follow these rules as far as what the human mind is capable. And people get confused, man, between the brain and the mind. We're taught that they're the same thing. The brain is not capable of, of, of producing or processing a thought, right? The brain is the connection between the consciousness or the mind and this physical body and this physical reality. So your brain is like an antenna. Okay. Mm -hmm. And this consciousness is using the brain via the pineal gland to be able to inject the thought that this consciousness is producing into this experience. Right. It's like, if I had something to say, I could sit here and I could say it out loud, or I could say it into a microphone, a walkie talkie or a a microphone. And that's, what's going to project it. But it's not the microphone that's, that's, that's coming up with the thought it's me, right? I'm just using the microphone to amplify it and project it into uh, my surroundings. And so I think that that's just something that is, is easily lost. And once that is not only understood, but, but really honed in on it, you being able to facilitate an out of body experience, whether it's through a dream state or whether it's through meditation or whether it's through psychedelics, is it unlocks a new level to play on. It's like putting in a cheat code on Grand Theft Auto, mm-hmm. right? Um, you don't have to follow the, the 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 rules anymore because you're not you're not limited by the brain and the mind is is free to operate um, at full capacity essentially, which is again is why decalcification and the honing, of, of the third eye, right. The pineal, mm-hmm. um, which is why there's fluoride in the water, dude, right. is it takes away our ability to intuit and, and really project our, our highest self into this physical experience where we, we humanize everything. We rationalize everything and it, it makes us dumb, Yeah, <laughs> you <time>. know? <laughs> so I don't well, know. We've been going for almost two hours. Uh, do you want to cut it there? Do you want to keep going or? It's your call, man. I, I mean, if there's something that you feel like we should touch on before we quit, let's touch on it. Um, I, I think we touched on on a lot uh, for for this episode. I would like to yeah, have I'm you come back and, and and talking um, on maybe some entities and what have you, and and you know, uh, sharing each other's experiences because I've I've had an, you know attachments and some paranormal experiences myself, so. I I'd love that, to hear about that. Yeah. So I, th- I think that would, that would be good to, to do, you know, down the road and what have you. And I also want to say congratulations on being three years sober. That that's Appreciate nothing, that, man. nothing that, that comes easy. That's for sure. Well, so, for me, it was really easy, dude. And I, well, I mean, it was like, uh, I just woke up one day and I was over it. And I kind of of the belief that addiction in general is something that's been weaponized against Mm -hmm. us we're taught that drinking is the problem or the heroin is the problem when that's just a symptom and it's Mm -hmm. like if you had skin cancer right you're not going to like throw a band-aid on this this growth that's on your skin and expect it to fix the problem right the 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 growth or you putting a band-aid on it is not you're 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 just treating the symptoms and so until we're willing and they're just so quick to numb everybody with pharmaceuticals as opposed to us like sitting down with the trauma that we've experienced that we're ultimately trying to hide or mask with whatever substance it is we're abusing but until we can approach 
the problem and address that and make peace with that. We're going to find, even if like, if you quit drinking, you're going to start eating overeating or you're mm-hmm. going to start, you know, it, our, our subconscious will find a way to not have to deal with that unless we can train our subconscious to deal with that. Um, and so for me, I was very grateful. And that as soon as I got it out of my life, I wanted nothing to do to do with it. The hardest part for me was figuring out how to occupy my time mm-hmm. um, and realizing that I didn't know what I was into. I didn't have any hobbies. I didn't have. And, and then I realized that like I had just been doing what I thought I was supposed to do my, whether it was my, what my parents wanted or what my partner wanted or what I thought my friends wanted or my employer. Like I had no idea what made me happy. Right. And so kind of exploring that. And, and I just, I could never imagine having, having alcohol in my life again. I, I, I use cannabis lightly. Um, I am a big believer in, in Kratom which, uh, helped me get off of pharmaceuticals. Uh, I helped me get off of antidepressants, helped me get off of opiates, all Mm -hmm. kinds of stuff. Um, but these are things that occur in nature that we just Mm -hmm. need to learn to utilize. I think that every medicine we need exists naturally here. Um, and just learning to listen and, and embrace these things is, uh, even just getting out and sitting with the trees, man, is yeah. a very powerful medicine and, and, and grounding is huge. It's just like, we have everything we need here. We just need to embrace learn it. To listen. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And sobriety or, 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 um, you know, abstaining from alcohol is almost integral, uh, as far as raising your vibration and, and, um, really trying to attune yourself and your vibrations with that of the vibrations of nature or of the earth, because it, um, I mean, anything is fine in moderation, but regular drinking just keeps your vibrations so low and it keeps you in such a, um, an altered kind of a manufactured state. There's really no way for you to, for you to, really be open or, or in tune the way that you need to. And so if that's something that anybody is thinking about or struggling, um, I have helped several people, um, kind of get away from that. It's something I'm totally open to having a conversation about. If anybody wants to reach out, if you're struggling, you want to change shit, man, I'm available. Um, let's, let's figure out how to make it happen. And if, if nothing else, um, for me, it was a big part of why it was hard to quit drinking was I felt like nobody cared, you right. know, like it was, I, I was alone. And so anybody who's kind of in that vibration right now, uh, know that I care and, um, there's, there's a way through it. So, um, I am Hatter will happen on Instagram, Hatter underscore will underscore happen. Um, I love to have conversations with people, um, I say that I respond to all my DMS. I'm going to amend that. I respond to all my DMS that aren't, uh, I don't need your naked pictures or <laughs> like, um, not currently looking for anything, uh, male or female I've gotten, I've gotten offers from both. Um, but if anybody wants to talk about, um, you know, metaphysics or, or, or growth or conspiracy or any of it, man, I'm on board. I, I, I love the conversations. Um, and I would encourage anybody to reach out that, that has something to say. Awesome. So well, I appreciate you 
having me on, man. This was a fun conversation and um, I'm out of town for a couple of weeks, but if you want to schedule something for when we get back, you want to talk entities, you want to talk attachments, you want to yeah. talk create real, real live, crazy stuff. I'm, I'm on board, man. You let me uh, know and we'll make it happen. Yeah. I'll hit you up in a couple of weeks that once you get back and we'll, we'll plan something. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, again, man. thank you for coming on. Um, it was it was a little while in the making and, and what have you, but you know, it, it, it's hard. You're on the West coast. I'm on the East coast. So time zones, right. it, you know what I mean? It, and I say this a lot. I find it harder to, to book somebody from the West coast than I, I do booking someone from England. And I have no idea why, but it, it just, for whatever reason, it, it, it is that way. You know what I mean? Well, there's not much of a time difference either. You're four hours from England, right? Uh, is it a four hour time difference. Six, oh, six yeah. hours. Yeah. There's six hours ahead of us, but for whatever reason, they like to stay up late over there. <laughs> you know? Right. And you know what I mean? And have no problem with it. So it's like, okay, you know, it, but you know, but Hey, things happen when they, when they need to happen. And, and again, thank you for coming on. And, uh, to my, my audience, thank you for turning in to another episode. And until next time, make sure you think for yourself. Well, where do I start? I'm bad shit. What you read in the covenant is cap. I was bred by the government. Fact check every head when it come to this upside down system. Had enough of it. Another sapien that's on the globe. Lost code, looking for the direction, but don't nobody know. The only bit of insight that they ever sold me, I've been start to find out, doesn't really hold. Every highfalutin piece of shit hidden in a tie, high motives to align goals. Cheating on your wife, my ties at the ninth hole. Someone gotta die, they don't care, they itemize souls. Tit jobs from Botox to light bulbs, light bulbs in my head of where I might go. I'm on a tightrope, walking the edge. And I've been wondering if anyone loves me, shit And I've been wondering if anyone loves me, yeah Fuck And I've been wondering if, look I've been hopping down this rabbit hole for quite some time To find lines that connect through to all their lies They normalize a real life poltergeist To trust Pfizer with a remedy to make you right The thought's sick I take a chance and roll my dice Because something in my stomach isn't sitting right I want a soul search, find a place to bring in light But I can't cause Fuck I'm bad shit, what you read in the covenant It's cap You were fed by the government Fact check every head when it come to this upside down system Had enough of it, we batshit What we read in the covenant, it's cap We were fed by the government Fact check every head when it come to this upside down system Had enough of it I want the power to shake shit and shift shape Tap into pineal eye without a mistake We have the power to live right and get straight But they found a way to remove this, they bitch made Hey. Keep on calcifying glands with your flow ride while I flow ride the valor of rhyme. I'm flying high by the seat of my pants. A beat speaking to me, know I'm talking back every chance. Hoping one day I make it overseas or to France. But in the Northwest, I trip without a traveling band. Yeah. And that's word to my cat plug. I'm higher than giraffe puss. Look what the cat drug in. Now I'm scribbling this rap in the bathtub. At midnight, I don't fill it up with the tap cup. Soaking in my cannabis suds. Anything for a buzz. Reclaim my residue inside of a dab jug. Peel through a fat stash, burning the last nug. I picture this dimension I don't want to come back from. But here I am, still stuck in the bathtub. My brain fried, but honestly, I'm fine. I'd rather not have one. I'm batshit.
I'm fucking bad shit And it's your fucking fault It's their fault Straight up I'm done I'm bad shit What you read in the covenant It's cap You were fed by the government Fact check every head When it come to this Upside down system Had enough of it Enough of it Save big on brunch for mom All in the Kroger app Get 16 ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% lean ground sirloin For $4.99 each with a digital coupon Then buy two get two free on 12 packs Of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi or 7-Up All with your card Shop these deals at your local Kroger today Or tap the screen now To download the Kroger app to save big today Kroger, fresh for everyone Prices and product availability subject to change Restrictions apply, see site for details